You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Good to see you today. Go ahead and take your seat after you grab your last bit of coffee. I'll try to not make you need coffee too much this morning. We're going to have some fun, but if I haven't had a chance to uh, meet you yet, my name is Jake, and I'm uh, so glad that you've joined us today. We're continuing the sermon series we've been in for like uh, 17 weeks. We're just moving really slowly through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapter 5 through seven, and in Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' famous sermon, and in it, he is basically, as we say week after week, is laying out his manifesto on the, on the kingdom of God, for Jesus had come to initiate, to inaugurate the kingdom of God, and so he's laying that out, but not only is he laying out the, uh, the, kingdom, the vision for the kingdom of God, but he's also giving us his vision for the type of person we will become if we apprentice or disciple under Jesus. See, uh, to, to disciple or to apprentice under or to follow Jesus really involves three things. It involves organizing your life around these three goals. Being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. And in this series, or in this sermon, I should say, uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is showing us, like, here, here's what will happen if you do that. If you decide to be with me Come like me, do what I did. This is the type of person you will become. And he says a lot. Like, this is a long sermon, right? Again, 17 weeks for us to kind of work through this. And, but in today's passage, he actually just kind of takes a step back and, and says, hey, I know, I know I've said a lot. Let me just sum it all up for you, which is a wonderful thing. Like, I don't know about y'all, but I love summary statements. You know, like, just can you just boil it down for me, Jesus? And that, that's what he does. Um, have y'all ever seen those uh, funny, like, one-sentence summaries of movies? Like, I, I get such a kick out. Like, like, when I say I love summary statements, I really do love summary statements, especially when they're funny. Uh, let me just show you a few. Uh, like, for the Titanic, if you sum that up, it's a young man sacrifices his life for a cruise ship fling. That's the movie right there. Or uh, this, this is actually my favorite from Castaway. Uh, stranded on a deserted island, a man learns ball is life. <laughs> ball is life. And then uh, this one might offend some of y'all because I know we're not supposed to talk bad about Lord of the Rings in, in church settings. But here's Lord, Lord of the Rings. Uh, group spends nine hours returning jewelry. That's the whole trilogy right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to beat a good... Summary uh, statement. And uh, what you have here, friends, and the passage we're looking at today is basically the, the world's most famous summary statement. Brandon, here's what Jesus says He says, uh, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, that, that phrase, the uh, law and the prophets, that was the kind of common day vernacular in Jesus' time and how they referred to the, what we call the Old Testament or all of the Hebrew scriptures. And so with this statement, Jesus is saying, okay, I'm summing up 
all of that. And in summing up all of the Hebrew scriptures, he's also summing up his entire sermon on the mount because his entire sermon has been based on the Hebrew scriptures. And so if you, uh, in fact, if you were to, if you were with us at the beginning of this series, which was way back, started way back in November, um, you might remember that Jesus, near the beginning of his sermon, actually uses this phrase, the law and prophets, uh, then as well. Back in chapter 5, verse 17, he says, uh, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And then it's after that statement, he goes on to give 14 different teachings that are based on the Hebrew Scriptures. And then after those 14 teachings, he gives us this one-line summary where, again, he refers to the law and the prophets. Uh, New Testament scholar Scott McKnight, in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, calls these two teachings, chapter 5, 17, and then here in 7, 12, the bookends of the Sermon on the Mount. For Jesus begins and then he ends uh, the primary content of his teaching with, with this line about the law and the prophets on both sides of that. And as we'll see next week, everything that comes after here is basically the outro or the conclusion where Jesus is saying, okay, based off of everything that I've just said, how are you going to respond? And so I, I mention all that, I say all that just to help you see, like this really is the summary of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's an incredible summary for he takes a bunch of content he boils it down for us in a very memorable way in fact it's so memorable that it has become one of the most well-known statements in the history of the world hasn't it in fact it actually has been given a name what do we what do we call this yeah the golden rule uh do y'all know how it got that name uh History says, and maybe there's legend here, I'm not real sure, but like, I, did a look, I did a lot of source checking, okay? And it was pretty much across the board. This is how I got the name. About 225 AD, there was a Roman emperor named uh, Alexander Severus, and he was not a follower of Jesus, but uh, by the time of his rule, uh, this statement from Jesus had, had grown in just such popularity and spread all the way from Jerusalem through, uh, over the Mediterranean. He had heard it, Emperor Severus, and he liked it so much that he actually had it inscribed in, yeah, in gold in the, his chamber. And so that's where it got the name, the Golden Rule. But uh, perhaps even more important than that little piece of trivia, the reason why perhaps it's, ke uh, it's kept that name is because it is still today widely regarded as the uh, gold standard of uh, ethical rules. And it really is. Like, and so this morning, let's just take a minute, a couple minutes on the front end here, and work our way through this. Uh, phrase by phrase. And I, I know most of us are very familiar with this, but don't, don't check out. Like, just let's chew on this. Let's not brush past it. What is Jesus really saying? And let's begin with the very first phrase, the phrase that we usually ignore whenever you're saying the golden rule. You don't, don't include the part where he says, so in everything. But that's an important phrase. In fact, 
In, in the Greek, the, the phrase in everything actually means in everything. Really, it, it does. It's wild. And, and, and that's important to note because, you know, that's Jesus saying, okay, I'm giving you a general rule that should apply all the time, like in everything, when you work and when, and when you play and when you're at home with your family or your roommates or wherever, like in everything, this is what you, how you should uh, live. It's the standard that you should live by. And it should apply not just in everything, but it should apply to everyone. See that in the next phrase when he says, so in everything... Do to others. And that word others really is an important word in the Greek. Uh, it's the word um, anthropos, and it means all people. And the reason why that's really significant is because there was another word that Jesus could have used here in the Greek. He could have used the word adelphos, meaning brother or sister or family member or, or tribe, someone you have a strong connection with. But that's not the word that he uses here. Instead, he uses a word that can be translated as uh, humanity. It's a word that means both, uh, that applies to both family and stranger. It's a word that applies to uh, both friends and enemies, to the same race and a different race, the same political party and different political party, uh, same religion different religion. Like, do you, do you see how broad this is? Like, that is an intentional word choice by Jesus, and it carries meaning. See, this, what he's giving us here in the golden rule is a general rule that's meant to inform everything we do, and it applies to everyone we interact with. And what is the rule? Do to others what you would have them do to you. Or, to put it another way, Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do to them. Or to put it in the way that we do in the box household, treat others the way you want to be treated. Which, just to point out real quick, um, this doesn't mean do to others what you, would have them, what you would have them do to you so that they will do that for you, right? Like, I, I kind of wish it meant that. I often do this with that hope, but that is not what Jesus is saying when he gives us the golden rule. He just leaves it at do for others what you would have them do for you, yeah, period. Like, that's it. What, what, no, no matter how they treat you, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what I'm calling you to do. Do for them what you would have them do for you. Um, and so, a couple, just three real quick observations off of this. The first thing is what this requires, and I think we can, you know, see that this is implied, is that it requires that we slow down enough to really consider people, right? Like, if we're going to live by the golden rule, then we can't just ignore people, brush off people, look past people. This applies in everything and to everyone, then we have to slow down enough to actually consider others. That's the first thing it requires. That's super hard. <laughs> Second thing it requires is that uh, it requires us to actually ask the question, okay, how would, how would I want to be treated? Or really even better, uh, how would I want to be treated if I was that person? 
How would I want to be treated by Which is, man, that's way different. That's a way different question than what I could, you know, tend to ask, which is, how do I feel like treating that person? <laughs> or, or what do I feel that person deserves? Or what do I feel like doing? It's different than that, right? How would I want to be treated if I was that person? And then, of course, the third thing that it requires is actually, you know, doing it. Asking the question and then acting on the answer, actually treating them in that way. So this is what Jesus is saying. And then again, the last phrase, just to emphasize the importance of all this, Jesus adds the line, for this sums up the law and the prophets which highlights just how much of the Sermon on the Mount and really all of the Hebrew Scriptures, how much that's about relationships, right? It highlights just how much following Jesus is about relationships. Just to state the obvious, following Jesus, friends, is meant to radically impact the way you treat others. Radically impact the way that you treat others. As followers of Jesus, we should treat others in a way that's very different than everyone else in the world because following Jesus radically impacts the way that we treat others. See, uh, Jesus makes this point another way later on in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 22, when he's asked, what, what's the greatest commandment in all of Scripture? And Jesus gives his take on the answer, and it's the right take because he's Jesus. But here's what he says. He quotes two Old Testament passages, right? He quotes first Deuteronomy 6. He says, here's the most important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Meaning, like, to Jesus, the most important commandment in all of Scripture is to love God with all you are. But then he doesn't stop there. He adds another quote from the Old Testament, from Leviticus 19. He says, the second is very similar. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Which means, according to Jesus, the most important command, the most important rule, and how we are to treat all others is that we are to love others and love our neighbors as ourself. But here in the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus does is that he fleshes that out for us. He says, okay, you want to know what it means to actually love your neighbor as yourself? Let me tell you. It means this. In fact, this sums it all up. You, You are to do for others what you would have them do for you. That's what love looks like according to Jesus. That's what loving your neighbor looks like according to Jesus. Because because love for Jesus is not primarily an emotion. It's primarily an action, right? I mean, that's why the the golden rule doesn't read like this. Uh, uh, Feel warm, fuzzy emotions towards others the way that you would want them to feel warm, fuzzy emotions towards you. That's not a famous saying for for a reason, because that's not what Jesus is getting at here. Uh, for love, according to Jesus, is much more than a warm, positive emotion. Love is an action. Love is sacrificial service on behalf of another. And so he calls us to love our neighbors by doing something. Do for others what you would have them do for you which implies that loving your neighbor means doing something with your mind, with your mouth, 
with your body, with your money, with your time. That loving others takes intentionality. That loving others, doing for others requires you to consider people. And to ask the question, how would I want to be loved if I was them? And then acting on it. Friends, if, if we do that, then uh, we are loving like Jesus loves. See, that is the way of Jesus. Because that is the way of love. That is the way of love because it is the way of Jesus. Okay. So that's the golden rule. Now, my guess is, most of us knew that, or at least knew some of that. Maybe some of it was a little bit of a different spin, but you're like, okay, yeah, I'm familiar with the golden rule. Like, this could be your very first time ever into a church, ever. If so, we're so glad you're here, but uh, probably you're hearing something you already knew, right? Like, you're already familiar with. Like, finally, I got the courage to show up at church, and they're talking about something I already knew. Like, so, so sorry. But... Uh, <laughs> Chances are we're all familiar with this, and we, chances are we, we all like it, right? Like, I mean, who's down on the golden rule? But the, that's dangerous for us because, uh, you know, it says familiarity breeds contempt. What I find is that when it comes to the golden rule, familiarity doesn't breed contempt. It breeds apathy. And so we know this, but Jesus didn't say this just so that we would know it. He's saying it so that we would live by it, apply it. How many of us actually do? I mean, are you regularly walking around and about your day thinking, okay, um, I'm headed to work. I'm going to see that. I'm going to see my coworkers. Okay, how would I want to be treated if I was them? Okay, I'm going to do that. Oh, my boss is coming. Here, here, here he comes. Okay. How would I want to be treated if I was him right now? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm headed to lunch. The person that's going to be checking me out at the, at the register, like how would I want to be treated if I was Okay, I'm headed home, about to see my wife or my husband. How would I want to be treated if I was them? Know, knowing the day that they had, knowing, knowing where they are right now. Like, do we live this way? See, this is familiar, but I think we're apathetic towards it. Or at least I know that I am, and I hate confessing that. But like what I've realized is that there are two other rules that I live by, and I think most of us live by. In fact, my observation is that in the world, most people live by these other two common rules way more than the golden rule. And we don't call them rules. I'm calling them rule today. But here, here they are. The, the first rule would be this, if I were to sum it up. It's, it's do for me what I would have others do for me, right? <laughs> and uh, I call this the I rule right? Because it's like I rule, like I'm in charge and I want everyone to serve me. And if you won't, then I will serve me because I, I rule. And friends, to, to be honest, like, um, I kind of dreaded giving this message today because uh, like I'm, I'm really guilty of that. In fact, even this week, uh, Sunday night, which mind you was Mother's Day night. Y'all are all going to walk out on me after I share this. But um. <laughs> I, uh, man, I, I did not live by the golden rule towards Krista. I, I was all about the I rule. 
and I ran with that. So yeah, we had a very busy weekend last weekend, and it was full of all kinds of good stuff. Plus, I was working a lot. I was just by 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 Sunday afternoon, we had taken Krista out for 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 lunch and all that. But by that time, I was done. Like I was just ru- really running on fumes. But I had promised my mom that I would uh, drop off a Mother's Day gift to her house in Pflugerville, to my parents' house. And so I, I took the kids with me and we piled up in the car to go to Pflugerville and left Krista at home to rest, right, away from everybody. And I thought, man, like this is, this is a veteran move, like taking care of both moms in, in one move. Like I've, I'm owning this thing. And so we go, we drop off the gift my, to my mom. We hang out there for a little while. And then we're driving back. And I am just like on fumes. Like it's just done. And then we get home and I open up the door to the house and our puppy shoots out of the house. Just, just so rude of it. Right, and so it shoots out of the house, out down into the, out, out in the yard, starts afraid running away, and and I just like that. That was like the straw that broke the camel's back. I just like I, I audibly groan or growl. I'm not real sure which one it was, but I won't do it for y'all here because I'm on a mic. That won't be nice. But anyways, it was it was just like Ugh. finally get the dog inside, and I I walk into the door, and I'm beelining towards me my, to my bedroom. And over, basically over my shoulder, I say to Krista, I'm done. And I just walk, walk, <laughs> walk into her room, lay down on the bed, and fall asleep for the night. <laughs> it's 7 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving Krista on Mother's Day to like take care of dinner for the kids and put the kids to bed and take care of all the other responsibilities. Like I don't check in with her or anything. I'm just done. Not my <laughs> finest moment. Why did I do that? I can say I did that because I was exhausted. And I was. I was very tired. But like I wasn't so exhausted that I couldn't have actually had a conversation with Krista. Like, hey, can I just take a break for a few minutes and then I'll, I'll check back in, put the kids to bed or whatever. But no, I wasn't that exhausted. I wasn't so exhausted that I couldn't have actually like taken, <laughs> taken the hour-long nap and then gotten up and, and helped out around the house. I wasn't that exhausted. Uh, the reason why I did that, friends, is because um, I didn't want to treat Krista the way that I wanted to be treated. I wanted to treat me the way that I wanted to be treated. I wanted to do for me what I, what I would have liked Krista to do for me, but I didn't want to give her the chance because I didn't think she would on Mother's Day because she shouldn't, but so I'll just do it for myself, right? And so that's what I did. And it's really embarrassing to admit that in front of all of y'all today. I just want you to know, like, I, I don't teach this from any standing of moral authority. I um, just stand up here and confess that to y'all and want to repent. I can't say follow me as I follow Christ in this area unless the first step of following Christ in this area is confession and repentance. But I want to grow in this. And following Jesus, he says, you follow me, you apprentice under me. You might say, this is the type of person you will become, but I have a lot of room to go to become this kind of person. I fear, though, that we probably all do, and we don't normally recognize that because we're familiar with the golden rule. 
but we've also grown apathetic towards it. It's not something that we're really trying to live by. More often we live by the eye roll. <laughs> do for me what I want you to do for me. That's one of the common ways we live. There's another common rule that Christians often live by. Everyone in the world does, but, but Christians also, and that's this rule. It's uh, do to others what they do to you, <laughs> right? Do to others what they do to you. This is kind of known as the, the, the rule of reciprocity, right? And, and it, it's not all bad. Like, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You buy my lunch, I'll buy your lunch. You give me a compliment, I'll give you a compliment. But it often turns pretty negative, right? And when it's in the negative form, we, we kind of call it tit for tat or, you know, scorekeeping with an edge, right? Where it's like, okay, you treat me bad, I'm going to treat you bad. You hurt me, I'll hurt you. You gossip about me, I'll tear down your reputation, right? This is a very common way to relate. In fact, I would say it's the default relational setting for all of us. This is what comes very naturally. And we see it not just in our lives, but like you can really observe it from the very beginning. You put two toddlers in the room together, they're going to operate off of this rule, the rule of reciprocity. It's a, you know, do to me, I'll do to you. What you do to me, I'll do to you. And so the kid steals another toddler's uh, toy and he pushes the, the other toddler down or grabs it from his hands. Like this is how we normally operate. And friends, this is the most immature, lowest level of relational maturity, but it's pretty normal for us. Not just for toddlers, but for teenagers and college students. You gossip about me, I'll gossip about you. For, for young marrieds, you know, you buy this thing, then I get to buy this thing. <laughs> for parents, you know, you get a night out with your friends away from the kids, then I get a night out with my kid, <laughs> away from the kids to hang out with my friends. I, I mean, it's just back and forth, back and forth. We see it with world leaders, I mean, on and on and on, and, I, you know, you don't need me to point out, but, like, this uh, leads to a vicious cycle, and it does not lead uh, to flourishing relationships or a flourishing world. And yet, this is the default setting, how we relate to one another ever since sin entered the scene. Let me ask you all. Uh, which rule do you live by the most? Which rule do you live by most often? What's your default setting? What's your relational posture toward your family, toward your coworker or boss or employees, toward your girlfriend or boyfriend or spouse or your mom or your dad? Camp Enoch, y'all listening? Um, or your neighbor, or your roommates, or the homeless man on the corner, or the foster children in our community, or your kid's teacher, the person cutting your hair, or the waiter or waitress at the restaurant, on and on, in everything. Do for others what you'd have them do for you. What's your normal relational posture? Which rule do you live by? The most often. Is it? Are you living by the eye rule? I'll do for me what I want others to do for me. I'll treat me the way I want to be treated. Are you living by the rule of reciprocity? I'll do to others what they do to me. Or are you living by the golden rule? Doing to others what you would have them do to you. 
treating others the way you would like to be treated. Can you imagine, friends? Can you imagine what it would be like if you and I, if us as a church family, if everyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus, if we actually live by the golden rule? Can you imagine what that would be like? Can you imagine if we were all known for treating others the way we wanted to be treated? Jesus says, you follow me. This is the type of person I'm making you into, but you have a choice. You have to decide to follow him. Can you imagine what would happen if we did this? I'll tell you what would happen. Like we would become a lot more like Jesus because this is how Jesus treats us. So we'd become a lot more like Jesus, and as a result of us becoming a lot more like Jesus, Austin would become a lot more like heaven. Can't you see that? If we were all living this way, man, that would be awesome. But it's really hard, <laughs> isn't it? Like when you really think about doing this, living by the golden rule, like you think, how in the world am I supposed to do that? Like how in the world can I do that on a regular basis? The, if you give this really thought, walking through your day, always asking, okay, hey, I treat this person the way I want to be treated, I treat this person the way I want to be treated, you, it, you just, I just get exhausted just giving examples of that, much less actually trying to do that. I already shared with you, I have a hard time even doing that with my wife, who I really love more than anyone else in the world. Like, how am I not, I'm not doing that with her all the time. How do I do this with everybody? Like, how are we supposed to do that? Well, I think... Um, I think that that question really comes out from another question, which is, um, okay, how am I supposed to do that? Because if I do that, then who's going to treat me in that way? Like, who's going to look out for me? Like, if I'm going to be committed to always doing good for others, then who's going to be committed to doing good for me? And I think that's a very important question. And I think Jesus is great with us asking that question. And the reason why I think he's great with us asking that question is because he was kind enough to answer that question for us here in this passage. See, in the, in the one, oh, in the one uh, word that I kind of skipped over earlier when we were walking through the golden rule phrase by phrase, uh, the, the, in that one rule, he tells us how this is possible, how it, we can live this way. Uh, it's the first word, it's the word so. So in everything. Do for others what you would have them do for you. See, that word so can also be translated therefore. And it ties the golden rule back to what Jesus had just said in verse 11. That's what we taught on last week. I taught on last week. Do you remember that, verse 11? Here's what it says. If you then, though you are evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? See, friends, uh, Jesus promises in that verse that whenever you ask your Father in heaven, what, uh, he, whenever we ask our Father in heaven, he will always do good for us, even and especially to the point of giving himself to us. See, the reason we can do good for others is entirely based 
on knowing that our Father is committed to always doing good for us. I love uh, how the missionary and pastor Steve Fuller puts this. He says, uh, quote, Jesus does not expect us to obey the golden rule by gritting our teeth and ignoring our own needs so that we can care for the needs of others. Instead, he wants us to live by and relate by the golden rule by first trusting all of our needs to our Father in earnest prayer. Resting in the fact that he is rejoicing to do us good with all of his heart and soul. And then trusting that God is passionately pursuing us with good, we can devote ourselves to doing good for others. It's our Father's love for us. It's his commitment to do good for us that enables and frees us to love others by doing good for them. Which is why, to quote uh, Dallas Willard, he said, our confidence in God is the only thing that makes it possible to treat others as they should be treated. So uh, to wrap up this morning, I want to I lead us to, to reflect on the, the number one reason why we can have that kind of confidence in God by uh, leading us to uh, take communion together. So uh, servers, you can mind grabbing the elements and begin passing that on, those out. And as they uh, begin to pass out the communion elements, friends, I, I want to encourage you to try to stay with me for a minute more that we would reflect on this. Um, that we can be confident in God's care for us because he has treated us the way that he would want to be treated. Think about that. What Jesus calls us to here is something that he first did for us. That Jesus treated us the way that he would want to be treated. Really, I could say even stronger, Jesus treated us the way that he deserved to be treated. What I mean by that, practically, is that, is that he served us. That love is sacrificial service on behalf of another. That's what Jesus did for us. For in Jesus, God served us. Jesus left the comfort of heaven. He entered our broken world to make the way through his life, death, and resurrection for us to be healed and forgiven from our sin, restored and reconciled back to God and be promised a future when all is made right and good. And then after his resurrection, Jesus sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to come and indwell all who trust in Christ so that we can be made new and empowered to live a godly life that he's given us himself, he's given us access to him, he's given us every Blessing in the heavenly realms, as Ephesians 2 says, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. As Second Peter says, that he's given us his love, he's given us his hope, his peace, and his power. And Jesus did all of that, even though it cost him the cross. And Jesus' body broken for us and his blood spilled for us is the ultimate proof that there is no good gift that God will withhold from us. 
And friends, that's why we can be confident enough in God to treat others the way that they should be treated. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven.